Hey there, welcome to Take One, the daily Tafiomi podcast from Tablet Magazine. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz. If you have no clue what a Dafyomi is or what it is that we're trying to do here, just go back and listen to our very first episode. Today we're setting page three of Tractate Brochot. The hero of today's story is a rabbi known as Yossi ben Chalafta, or simply Rabbi Yossi. He lived in the second century CE and was a student of the famous Rabbi Akiva. He's one of the most notable rabbis in the Talmud, and if you've ever said something like, oh, speak of the devil, well, you have Rabbi Yossi to thank because he coined that term. But in today's Talmud page, we hear a really strange story about him entering into a ruined building and having a fantastic mystical meeting there with a figure from the Bible who had died long, long, long before. Once again, I'm joined in conversation by Rabbi Dovid Bashevkin. So yesterday, we talked about the notion of time and its importance and the kind of... Ad- or or the kind of attempts to capture the essence uh, of, of what time means, when certain things need to be done, when do you say the Shema, is it all through the night, is it just until midnight, and how do we think of time and our place in it? And no sooner than we got used to that kind of legalistic thinking, uh, the Talmud does something which it does quite often, which makes the reading of it incredibly interesting. I mean, here we were getting accustomed to the sort of rhythm of a legalistic discussion between very studious people. And all of a sudden, literally one page in, they start telling these stories. And these stories are magnificent. There's one here that I would love for you to tell us about Rabbi Yossi. So I I think the most important thing to note is that the Talmud is really woven together of not only kind of legal laws. It's not like a, a legal textbook. The stories is really the soul and the thematic heart of any given tractate. Um, and over here, uh, we have a really, really charming story. But it's important. The stories in, in kind of the yeshiva world are known as agadata. And over here, in this story, which is so deliciously sweet... Raviosi says that he was going on the road and he enters into this kind of destroyed, destructive building that's falling apart in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's already been ransacked and it's falling apart. And he went there to pray. And he went there to pray. And all of a sudden, as he prays, uh, Eliyahu Hanavi, uh, the great prophet Elijah, who is this like... I don't want to make an irreverent comparison over here, but he he appears in a lot of uh, our stories and even in contemporary Jewish ceremonies. Maybe you've seen him at your Seder, or perhaps he's popped in in a circumcision. You may know him from your bris or your Seder. <laughs> exactly. he's He pops in all the time, and he pops in in this story, um, and and he waits for him. He waits for him outside. Eliyahu doesn't enter this destroyed building until he finishes praying. Uh, and then he says... How you doing? Shalom Aleichem. How are you doing? And he responds, Shalom Aleichem. And he asks, Va'amrli Bini, he says, my son. So this is Elijah saying to Rabbi Yosef. Exactly. My son. Why did you go into this uh, ruin that's like a little bit dangerous? 
And he says back to him, I went to pray. And he responds, you should have just prayed on the road. Like, why did you, why did you stop? Just keep going. It's dangerous to go over there. And I said... Um, this is Yossi again. Exactly. Saying to Elijah. Exactly. Um, I said I was afraid that if I would have stopped, then I could have been like, like robbers could have gotten to me. Right. And he said, you should have just said a very short prayer and kept on going. And then, and this is the most important part, the Talmud says, so there's this oral story tradition of this rabbi meeting a biblical figure who clearly, you know, he passed away many years ago, uh, but he's meeting this biblical figure. And then there's this oral tradition that comes out from this oral tradition story saying, I learned three things from this story. Number one, I said, you shouldn't enter into destroyed buildings because that's why Eliyahu waited outside. That's fantastic. Very good life advice yeah. from the prophet Elijah. Don't Thank go you. into destroyed right. building. When you I, see a ruin, just stay out of the ruin. Number two, I said that you should, I should have prayed as I was traveling. I didn't need to stop. And number three is that I could have prayed a shorter prayer. And I think what's significant about this for me is that the way that they're transmitting legal thinking and legal ruling derived from a story, which is like, I think, a methodology for thinking. You know, like when you're page two over here, we're still right in the beginning, we have an oral story being preserved that derived from it are kind of these legal rulings. And the relationship between legal rulings and actual storytelling is a tenuous and complicated relationship that seems to be challenged right over here. It's, it's, it's unusual. And also, I mean, the thing that really got to me as, you know, kind of a neophyte reader is the fact that the story is not only a tremendously useful means of, of transmitting these ideas, but it also, I think, is here's a reminder that these are not kind of rules set in stone that are just there to be studied. They're, they're guidelines to life, and as such, if they are to appeal to humans, they have to kind of be, um, they have to kind of be, I don't want to say flexible, but they have to kind of be the sort of ideals uh, that people could actually manifest in their real lives. And th the example that I could give here is, you know, I, I started, uh, I'm on this journey uh, for the past several years. and Aren't we all? Uh, we all are. And, and started uh, about two years ago to daven regularly, three times a day to pray. And, you know, many times I come to this place and like, wow, um, I have a, I have a, I have a work obligation that I actually can't miss, and I only have fifteen minutes. Like, what do I do? And and then you sort of refer to a story like this, and remind yourselves that the Talmud completely understands that the circumstances of your life are such that not always are you going to be able to practice with with perfection. You know, sometimes you're going to be traveling, sometimes you're going to be inconvenienced, sometimes you're going to be indisposed. And so here's a reminder from Elijah, nonetheless, that 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 common sense uh, and that circumstance uh, all come into the mix. I find that fascinating. I think that negotiation between like the humanistic elements and the ideals, that negotiation is is so crucial 
in the Talmudic universe and in the contemporary Jewish universe. And I think in a way, now that you say that, it kind of dovetails into, and you'll see that's actually an excellent pun, into the next half of that story where Rabiosi says, I actually heard a voice when I was in there, when I was in this destroyed place. I heard a voice, and he says it was the voice, what's known as a baskol, which isn't a pro- prophetic voice. Prophecy has ceased right now. But I heard like a godly voice coming from here, and it was mourning, it says like a dove. It was mourning like a dove, and it was saying, this was, so to speak, the voice of God, saying, Oi, oi vey, I'm so sorry that I, the temple's been destroyed and my children have been exiled. But the voice then kind of ends on an optimistic note, but it says, when the Jewish people gather together to study and to pray, and they answer properly to all of their prayers, over there, you know, there's an optimism and there is almost a, a sense of, um, of positivity that comes out, and that God almost reflects, he says, and this is the Hebrew, I'll translate, Malo la'av shehigla esbanav va'oilahem labanim shagalu me'al shulchanavihem. What is a father to do who has exiled his child from his table? And oi, oi, like a krechs, like a, like a sigh, a deep sigh for children who've been exiled from the table of their fathers. And there's almost a collective recognition between God and the Jewish people that it's not just the daily when you're, you know, in the workplace and can't reach the ideals. Right. But the world is not All ideal right now. All of us can't reach the ideal. The We're ideal, all so broken. Exactly. Everything, everything is in shatters. Everything is in ruins. God, and God is sighing with God us. God recognizes it. It's like, look, nothing will ever be perfect until we all come together, study, and, and make this world more divine. More exactly. And I think that that kind of collective recognition where God is speaking to us and saying, I, I get those sacrifices, those negotiations, because that's the world I'm looking at right now. I, I, I don't like the fact that we don't have that ingathering of the exiles and that redemptive quality in the world. It pains me as well. Uh, you know, that's the pain that you have, whether it's, you know, not being able to, you know, catch that mincha or, you know, Shabbos doesn't look like what it was, what you want it to look like or prayer or, or learning. All well, these things don't well, come in, naturally. In perfectly secular terms, right? You know, you've had a very bad day with your children. You lost your temper. You shouted at them. You fell far short of what you thought you should be with your spouse. You know, you didn't get work correct. Here's a great reminder to say, guys. Everything is broken. We're literally inside a ruin, all of us, right now. Uh, that's not an invitation to despair. Quite the opposite. Far from it. Uh, it. It is an invitation to step outside, remind ourselves that uh, the perfect is the enemy of the good, and that we should all continue to work together. And I think your, your analogy of thinking about children and parents and losing temper, I mean, that that's the analogy that the Talmud uses, and right. I think that's the one that uh, when we think about negotiating those ideals and what, you know, our family lives, uh, those are the words that God used, and it's uh, an apropos way when we reflect on our own lives as well. Rabbi Bashevkin, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed today's Take One. For more, go to www.tabletmag.com slash take one. And if you have any questions or comments, as always, email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. Our producer is Josh Cross, and we hope you listen to us again tomorrow. Shalom.